On May 19, 1780, the sky of Hartford, Connecticut darkened ominously, and some of the representatives glancing out the windows feared the end was at hand. Calling a clamor for immediate adjournment, House Speaker Colonel Davenport rose and said, the day of judgment is either approaching or it is not. If it is not, there is no cause for adjournment. If it is, I choose to be found doing my duty. Therefore, I wish that candles be brought. It's easy to fear what is to come when we should remain faithful until Christ's return. We can become so preoccupied with his return that we forget to be occupied with his return. Welcome to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp. Here, we hope you'll find answers to some of life's everyday struggles. You can learn more by visiting simpletruthsforlife.org. As followers of Christ, we were never meant to spend our time preoccupied with his return. And this week, as Charles Tapp explains, we should instead be occupied with his return. He explains what that means in his message, occupied or preoccupied. Our message today comes from the 19th chapter of the Gospel of Luke. And although Luke's gospel is probably best known for its description of the birth of Jesus, Ezra recounts the story of the angelic visitations both to Mary and Joseph, as well as to the shepherds lying in the field, to which the angel spoke these powerful words, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. This is a.k.a. the Christmas story, but also housed within the pages of Luke's gospel is one of the best known, best loved stories in all of the gospels. For it is within Luke 19 that we have the story of Zacchaeus. Now, who doesn't know the story of Zacchaeus? I'm sure that regardless of your age, you've either read, heard, or possibly even sung about this character. Remember the little tune that we would sing as kids? I happen to have the words to that song. And I want you to join in as we sing it today. I want all the children of Sligo and the big children as well to come around the screen as we sing this together. Let's begin. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in the sycamore tree, for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree, and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down. For I'm going to your house today. Yes, sir. For I'm going to your house today. You remember that, don't you? <laughs> now, you're showing your age if you know all the signs that they go with that and the motions. For many of us, this simple little tune was probably our first introduction to the man called Zacchaeus. But as the song reveals, Zacchaeus, whose name in the Hebrew means pure, and he was anything but that, was a tax collector who was somewhat de 
deprived in the height department. And as Luke brings out in his gospel, Zacchaeus was more than just a tax collector. Zacchaeus was hired by the Romans to collect payment from his own people, the Jews. He was the chief of tax collectors. He was a tax collector who was paid very handsomely for his efforts. And payment was probably the only consolation he would receive because he was hated by his own people as they saw him as being a traitor, a friend of Rome. But listen, say what you will about Zacchaeus, but at least he was willing to risk ridicule so that he could get as close to Jesus as he possibly could. Now, there's a sermon in there somewhere. So much so that when he heard the news, the Bible says that Jesus was going to pass through Jericho on his way to Jerusalem, that he climbed up in a sycamore tree just so that he could get a view of Jesus. Now, that alone says to me that although Zacchaeus may have been a hated tax collector, and probably rightfully so, it is clear that God was already doing a work in his life, which is why we need to reserve judgment when it comes to our assessment of individuals based simply upon what is on the exterior, because we really never know what God is doing in someone's heart. We really never know what is going on. But I want to pick up the story of Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 19, and I want to do so in verses 5 to verse 10. Let's take a look at it together. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up, talking about Zacchaeus, uh, Jesus looking at Zacchaeus, and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, Make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. Verse 6, and he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to whom? The poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. Verse 9. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house. For so much as he also is a son of Abraham. Verse 10. For the Son of Man is come, what? To seek and to save that which is lost. Listen, despite what others may have felt about Zacchaeus, despite what others may have said about Zacchaeus, without any prompting on the part of Jesus, it makes it clear here that God was doing something in his life. It is clear that he wanted to make a U-turn. And that's what repentance is all about. Being ready to go from your former life to a new life, a new experience in Jesus Christ. 
And when Jesus says here that salvation has come to him because he's a son of Abraham, Jesus is not talking about Zacchaeus' natural ancestry because he was a Jew, but rather it was an acknowledgement that Zacchaeus possessed the same kind of saving faith that Abraham had. And dear friends, it is the same kind of faith that you and I need for salvation. Because we're not saved by our works. We're saved by the grace of God. And the only way we can receive that grace is through our faith in Jesus Christ. Salvation had come to his home because he put his faith and he put his trust in God. It was the same faith that Abraham had. And the Bible says it was counted to him for righteousness. In other words, at this moment, the kingdom of God had come to Zacchaeus. And remember, when we were talking about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is not so much about a place as it is about the place that God deserves and desires to have in each and every one of our lives. It's God being able to be the ruler of our lives, the ruler of our hearts. And please don't miss this. When you and I allow the kingdom of God to take root in our lives, in our hearts, miracles will take place. And this was a miracle that Zacchaeus, this chief tax collector, was not only willing to turn his life around, he went a step further, willing to even pay fourfold that which he had owed to others that he had taken because he stole it from them which is a completely different scenario than what happened one chapter earlier in Luke chapter 18 when we have the rich young ruler who was not willing to forsake his riches for his Lord. And the Bible says he went away sorrowful. Well, on the other hand, because Zacchaeus was willing to allow the kingdom of God to come into his life, he ended up having a meal with Jesus which, by the way, is symbolic of what Jesus says in, in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, when he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if any man open the door and let me in, I will come in unto him and sup with him and he with me. Let's go back to Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 19. Let's look at verse 11. This is the pivotal verse here. And as they heard these things, he added and spake a parable because he was nigh to Jerusalem and because they thought, don't miss this, that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. These things, in other words, saying to Zacchaeus that the kingdom of God, salvation has now come to your home, they assume that immediately on the spot, that Jesus was going to usher in his kingdom, his rule upon the earth, not realizing that the kingdom of God first must take root in our hearts. 
You know, many people today are looking to society. They're looking to religion. They're looking to politics and they're looking to government to make vast changes in our world today. That's not where change is going to take place. Change takes place when an individual allows God's kingdom, God's rule to take place in their hearts. That's why Jesus said in in the famous prayer we call the Lord's Prayer, he says, thy kingdom come, what? Thy will be done. That's what real lasting change is all about. And what the world needs today is not more government. It is not more politics. It's not even more social programs. What the world needs today is to allow the kingdom of God to take root in our hearts. So because of their misunderstanding here, Jesus now proceeds to tell a parable. And now remember, whenever Jesus would share a parable, these short stories, it was always to reveal some nature, some aspect of the kingdom of God. Now, the parable here in Luke chapter 19 that Jesus shares is very similar to the one in Matthew chapter 25, known as the parable of the talent, while the parable in Luke 19 is about pounds. Now, I'm not going to take time today to read this portion of Scripture. You can do that on your own in Luke chapter 19 and Matthew chapter 25. But here's a quick overview of things that took place in both parables. Number one, in each parable, there is a person of authority who distributes his valuables, his talents, or his pounds to those who work for him with the expectation that each one would use them in such a way that they would grow and multiply. Number two, In Matthew chapter 25 and here in Luke 19, when the master returns, he asks three of those entrusted with these goods to give a report of how successful each of them has been while he was away. Thirdly, in both parables, the first servant says that he has doubled what he has been entrusted with. And he hears the words, well done, good and faithful servant. But in both parables, the second servant makes his report that he too has increased what he has been entrusted with. And he hears the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But sadly, in Matthew 25 and here in Luke 19, the third and final servant reports that he made no effort to do anything to that which he had been given. And his reasoning was that that he was afraid to take risk because he knows that his master was one that had great expectations. But because of his unwillingness to attempt to do what his master had requested. Not only does this third servant not hear the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant, but the master takes away what the servant had been given and the servant ends up losing his life. Now, I hope you haven't forgotten that this is a parable. And Jesus' use of parables was to reveal an aspect of the nature of the kingdom of God. 
And it is clear in both these parables that those to whom the master entrusted his goods represent those of us who claim, who profess to be citizens of the kingdom. And what is also clear here is that God has entrusted each and every one of us with talents, with gifts, with abilities, and he expects us to use them in a way that will help to enlarge, to expand, and to grow the kingdom of God. You're listening to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp and his message, Occupied or Preoccupied. And if you're enjoying this message or you'd like to find others like it, you can find out more by visiting simpletruthsforlife.org. We'll conclude with the rest of his message right after this. Man, when I think about WGTS, I think about family. And uh, WGTS lifts me up. The whole crew has truly been a blessing in my life. And um, I'm forever grateful for WGTS and what they do for myself and for the community. Your support makes a difference. I always uh, encourage people. Like, you want to listen to something, be encouraged when you're going through a tough time. Starting at 91.9, they are definitely up with the spirits. And uh, especially in the trying time we're in right now in society. Working together to impact the nation's capital. We are family. And I am forever grateful for for the WGPS family because that's exactly what it is, family. And we get to be a part of that as listeners, which is is amazing. Listener funded. WGTS 91.9. Always encouraging. At 88.3 on the Eastern Shore. This is Simple Truths for Life. And this week, Charles Tapp explains that as followers of Christ, we were never meant to spend our time preoccupied with his return. Rather, we should be occupied with his return. As he concludes his message, occupied or preoccupied. If I had to use one word that would be the takeaway from this parable, one word that I believe sums up the true meaning of this parable, it would have to be the word accountability. Just as the person in authority in both these parables held his servants accountable for what they had been given, Jesus' message is clear here that God is going to hold each one of us accountable for the talents, for the treasures, for the gifts, for the abilities that he has placed in our hands for the purpose of expanding and enlarging the kingdom of God. And as I have preached many times in the past, I believe that the kingdom of God is going to be held accountable to us individually, but I also believe it's going to be held, we're going to be held accountably corporately and primarily in three areas. And the first area is this as it relates to what God has given us. It is our intelligence, meaning we have to understand the value of what God has placed in our hands. You remember the story of Moses and how God told him to set his people free Moses had a rod in his hand, and and to Moses, it was only a piece of wood. It was only a stick. But once Moses turned that rod over to God, from that point on in Scripture, it became known no longer as the rod of Moses, but the rod of God, the same rod that brought water from a rock. We've got to understand the value of what's been placed in our hand. 
The second way we're going to be judged is our initiative. And by initiative, what I mean is when God places something in our hands, we shouldn't have to be coerced. We shouldn't have to wait for somebody to pull us along. We should take the drive to use these gifts, to test these gifts without anyone pushing us to do so. And I've discovered a lot of people refuse to take the initiative today because of fear. They're afraid that they're going to fail. But the most successful people in our world today are those who have failed over and over and over again. The third area we're going to be judged as it relates to our gifts and talents and abilities is integrity. In other words, we cannot abuse these gifts. And by abuse, I mean we've got to use them for the purpose in which they have been given. So with these gifts, talents, and abilities, God's going to look at us and he's going to ask us the question, did you understand the value of what I placed in your hand? Two, did you take the initiative? Did you have enough drive? Did you allow fear to keep you from moving forward? And thirdly, did you have integrity? Were you willing to use the gift or the gifts to bring glory and honor, not to yourselves, but to bring glory and honor to me. But although these two parables, one in Matthew 25 and the other in Luke 19, are very similar, as a matter of fact, they're almost identical, there is one major distinction in the parable of Luke chapter 19. And I want us to take a look at it now. So let's go back to Luke 19 as we look at verses 12 to verse 14. He said, therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, here it is, occupy till I come. Verse 14. But his citizens hated him and sent a message after him saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. This portion of Christ's parable is actually founded, dear friends, on fact. For at the death of Herod the Great, his son Archelaus, the, like the nobleman in this parable here, had to take a long journey to receive his kingly power because he could not be king in Judah until the Roman government had given him the stamp of approval. And just like in the parable in Luke chapter 19, where Archelaus was away to receive his kingly powers, many of his citizens revolted. Please don't miss this. But although it says many of his citizens revolted in his absence, the word that was given to his servants was occupy till I come. This word occupy means to invest. It means to work with the expectation of a return. And this context is not just the return of the master, but it's also a return of the investment. 
Remember, Jesus is sharing this parable because they believe that he was going to set up his kingdom immediately on the spot. But he shares this parable to let them know that the kingdom of God will not be fully established until the king of kings returns. But in the meantime, and you and I today are living in the meantime. In the meantime, the expectation that the king has for his followers is that we will occupy, that we will be at work using our gifts, our talents, and our abilities to grow and expand his kingdom in the hearts of men, women, boys, and girls, just as the kingdom was expanded in the heart of Zacchaeus. And herein lies the danger of the delay of Christ's return. And that is that we can become so preoccupied with his return that we forget to be occupied with his return. But here's the main takeaway from Luke chapter 19. It should not be on being preoccupied with Christ's return. Everywhere we turn, there's a sign. We think that's the sign. We think that's the sign. We think that's the sign. That's not our job to be preoccupied. Jesus says, in the meantime, be occupied. Be faithful. Continue to do the work I've called you to do. Continue to invest in the kingdom of God. And if we ever needed that word, we'd need that word today, dear friend, because now with this pandemic, everybody is asking the question, is this the sign? Is this the sign? Listen, it doesn't matter what the signs are. Just continue to occupy until he comes. Intelligence, initiative, integrity. But I want to add one more I to that list. And this is what we're going to need as we continue to occupy, especially, especially now. And that is imagination. Dear friends, the church today is in desperate need of imagination. We are in desperate need of creativity. I don't know what it is about the church that we try to destroy those who want to be the most creative. The first two servants in this parable, they use their imagination. Not only did they see what they had, but they saw what they could have if they used their intelligence, initiative, and integrity. And now as never before, the church is going to have to use its imagination. We're going to have to do things differently in a way we've never done them before. Please don't miss what I'm saying. I'm not talking about changing our beliefs. I'm not talking about changing our doctrine. But in these times in which we're currently living, we cannot do what we've always done. That's insanity. Because the world is different and we have to be different so that we can reach the world for the kingdom of God. Who says amen to that today? But I know some of you are thinking, well, how long, Pastor? How long do we need to occupy? How long do we need to invest? How long do we need to work? How long do we need to expand? 
Jesus answers that same question in the previous chapter, in Luke chapter 18, and verses 6 to verse 8. Look at what he says here. And this is another parable as well. Then the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. This is the parable of the importunate or persistent widow. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he what? Bears long with them. And here's the answer in verse 8. I tell you that he will avenge them. How? Speedily. That word speedily doesn't mean fast. It means suddenly without you thinking about it. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, here it is, will he really find faith on the earth? You know what Jesus is saying in this parable? When I return, am I going to find you being preoccupied with my return? Or am I going to find you being occupied at work, investing, expanding, enlarging my kingdom, using your intelligence, initiative, integrity, and yes, using your imagination, being the light in the midst of all this darkness. You've been listening to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp and his message, Occupied or Preoccupied. And if you want to listen again or share it with someone, you can find these messages on platforms like Apple Podcasts and now also on Spotify. Or visit us online at simpletruthsforlife.org. Now here's what we're working on for next week. Because sometimes what is best is not for God to remove the thing that is causing us the pain because there is a greater blessing that he has for us. Next week, Charles Tapp helps you navigate this journey we're all on and how God can use you at your weakest as he begins a new series of messages, Strength for the Journey, with his first message, Perfect Weakness. Well, thanks for listening, and we hope you'll plan to join us again next week for more Simple Truths for Life.